he uh, they had to write in big block letters at the top of it. Do not congratulate. <laughs> do not congratulate. And he's like, I'm gonna. No, do not. I mean, imagine how many post-it notes John Kelly and those guys have had to leave around the Oval Office. Jiggle the handle. <laughs> when he was going to visit the uh, the victims of the shooting, he's like, do not say awesome scar. Right. Do not. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It is the DVE Morning Show. Joining us right now, longtime friend uh, of the show here, and he's going to be appearing at the Benedum Center. You're, dude, you have graduated from theaters to centers. You're at a center. <laughs> Yeah, and then it's amphitheaters, and then I start smoking crack right around. Here. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Burr is doing what... meth, and you burn it all down, and then you last, and you lose all your money and your marriage, and then you write the book, and then you live off that for the rest of your life. That little book, sitting in them all. Bill Burr, I had it all. I was playing centers. <laughs> And I, I, I blew it. Well, he's Speaking at the. Which, if you want to see some stuff like that, you got to see Mike Judge's new show uh, on the tour bus. Oh, is that great? Tales from the Road oh or something? Tales from the tour Tales bus. From the from the tail uh, the tour bus. Oh my God! Those country singers. The way he sets it up is he goes. I used to be. I was an NWA fan. They got all kinds of crap and. And he was sitting there going, like, why, uh, they're giving these guys a rough time. Why aren't they talking about Johnny Paycheck? And you see he shoots a guy in the head. <laughs> just, I mean, those, those country guys were no joke. No. No joke. Man. Johnny it's, Paycheck it's shot a guy in the head because he wanted to take him home for chili or something. Like, no, he took his what? hat. He took his hat. He was, he, trading, hat. he was trading trucker hats with him. He's like, hey, I like your hat. And he's like, well, if you like it, let's just trade. And then he shot him in the head for doing that. And then defended you himself. The beginning. You forgot the beginning. He was on a three-day coke binge. He was so paranoid. <laughs> okay, now the it makes sense. I was being nice, nice to him, going, hey, I really like your stuff. And, and Johnny's in his head like, what's up with this guy? <laughs> Dude, they, every, every, every one of them, the guy, somebody pulls a gun and either threatens to shoot somebody or a knife, they either shoot or stab somebody every episode, and then you just kind of watch the trial as to whether they get off or not, and it's all animated. It's all... I'm not even promoting my show. This is how good this show is. Yeah, it is good. I on a plane the other day. It's tremendous. All guns, uh, uh, dynamite. Uh, there's all the, and there's why always there one that part. much weapon. Like, why is there that much weaponry around when they're all doing coke? No, dude, the bet that's the best part is that they but are. It's America, love it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> they're all like just boozing, and then they get tired of boozing on the road. They're like, it's wearing them down, and then they like interview a band member who's who's still alive, and the guy's like, and that's when he discovered the cocaine, and then it just <laughs> it just goes off the rails. I didn't mind him when he was on the booze. It's when he found the cocaine that our relationship started to go south. <laughs> hey, dude, I got a, I got something else that I can hype that is not has nothing to do with my show. I've been meaning to send this to you. Uh, this is band, and they do a cover of Iron Maiden "Run to the Hills." But it's the Michael McDonald version. <laughs> and, and the guy does a dead-on Michael McDonald. And the song sounds like a Michael McDonald song. And everybody's dancing to it in the crowd. There's like five old people. They're not even in on the jokes. And the guy's going like, What man came across the sea. He took off his two, three. 
And in the middle, he, he riffs. He goes something like, uh, something you know at Kimasabi. He throws that in. <laughs> yeah, Run to the Hills is a dire tale, you know? Like, I never really got into the lyrics, and then I, I checked them out again a, about a month or two ago. I'm like, yeah, this is a, this is a terrible tale here. <laughs> Holy cow, yeah. run for your life. We're being slaughtered. Yeah. Actually, uh, Iron Maiden, they were, uh, dare I say, woke. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the most. They were woke way back in the day. They were woke. Although they were English. I think they were just upset that they lost the Revolutionary War, so they were kind of calling us out on what we did, even <laughs> though they were really part of the beginning. Yeah. 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 Well, Sorry for the chatter. That's I've got my kid here in the background. It's fine. Uh, how, she's you know, hello. I, I have to her, tell her you. Bi- Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I, I was interrupting you, man. My timing is off here. No, no, no. Your daughter has – I can't believe the way you talk about your daughter, man. It is it's so awesome. nice to hear you on your podcast just gushing over your daughter. Oh, she's the best. She's the best. You know what her word is right now is high. And high means everything. High means high. High means pay attention to me. High means I want that. And when she wants something, she just points at it. And the desperation in her voice, she's just going like, hi, 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 hi. You're like, all right, buddy. I get it for you. So, uh, Billy, are, are you are, are you worried that fatherhood's going to make you soft? No, because what it's it's done is like this paranoia that something bad's going to happen to her, and like the level of like murderous fantasies that I've had, mm-hmm. I just I just start picturing somebody doing anything bad to her. This woman came up to me. She had this little adorable dog. Hey, buddy, I'm doing a radio thing here. Hang on a second. They. Uh, she, this woman came up and she, you know, a little cute little, like, I don't know, chihuahuas or something. And she said, like, oh, my God, she's so adorable. She's sleeping through the night. And I'm smiling, answering all the questions. And in my head, I'm thinking, if that dog makes one move and my kid, I'm blowing out all four of its ACLs and I'm hanging you with the leash. <laughs> so that's what I've learned. They said when you have a kid, all of a sudden you realize that you're capable of murder. And I, every time I go out in public... Like, I, I just, you know, I look like this happy dad, which I am. But in my head, like, um, uh, what is it, Colonel Kurtz? I've, gone, I've left the program. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Crawford was talking about that this morning, yeah. just watching his daughter interact with other kids. I was saying, she said hi to somebody outside after school, and the person, like the other girl, just, it wasn't that she was ignoring her. She just didn't, she didn't see her say hi because she was kind of vulnerable and, and shy and the girl and I looked at my daughter and she had this look at defeat and I went over and I was just like she said hi you didn't hear her like oh yeah I mean no you want to kill somebody that happened that happened at her birthday party like she sat you know I first of all I'm so glad I had a daughter all of a sudden the little boys came over like the little girls just sit and play and they're like really like kind of social and stuff but like the little boys came over right mm-hmm. it was like Braveheart. They were climbing all over stuff, throwing rocks onto the cars and stuff. So she's sitting there with the toy, and she's just going like, hi, hi. She, she holds up the toy, and this boy just rips it out of her hand, doesn't say a word, and runs away with it. And she just sort of stared at the kid, and it kind of broke my heart. It was like, wow, she just that's the first time she ever met an a-hole. You know? yeah. and she, she, that's, she's learning that not everybody's going to be nice. It, it really made me sad. <laughs> you can just see it sinking in like why why yeah yeah that's gonna be our new word why why right why so let me ask you this bill is uh bill burr 
by the way, again, April 6th, the second show is on sale right now for the Benningham Center. Get your tickets at trustarts.org. Um, you're going to do the play-by-play stuff or, or color an, a- analysis for Barstool Sports. Is it Rough and Rowdy? Is that what it is? Yeah, Rough and Rowdy. It's, uh, it's, it's literally, it's like, it's like if you took the UFC, or like boxing, I should say. If you took boxing and you added the element of American Idol. Like, remember when you had people who just could not sing and Come thought they could? Come off the street. That, it's, this is the fight version of that. But I respect everybody that's doing it because just the nerve they have or just the desire to so get on TV that they're going to go there and take a butt kicking. It's the greatest thing ever. It's only like 15 bucks, 16 bucks. You're not going to see one jab the whole night. It's just going to be <laughs> haymakers. It's literally like what a lot of the old NHL fights used to look like back in the 70s where guys just grabbed the other guy's jersey. You stood like toe-to-toe. Rather than doing the Ty Domi. He, Ty Domi's the one who came up with that. Because he was so much smaller than those heavyweights. And he was, he was the guy that came up with the wall. If you stand all the way to the side and then pull him in. Um, which was a great thing to watch him do. But it also made the fights a little more boring when the bigger guys did it. You know? Well, you know, you you talk about fighting in the NHL. And I, I come around to your line of thinking a little bit. Because there's a part of me that thinks like, well, dude, they don't necessarily need it. I do like it to police the game. I get that. But when there's a guy, when you have like the George LaRock or, or the guys who can't really do anything else, that then that's like aggravating to me. But I do think that it does play a role in the sport. It's just that everybody. I think that they, er- should have, they should have Hall of Fame fighters. And George LaRock mm-hmm. is one of the greatest of all. Dude, think about like just how much that hurts your hand and, it just, and how many times that guy could have got hurt himself and he was so good I mean, you must you must have heard the audio of him good luck the guy be like you want to go you want to go and he'd be like yeah all right and he'd go, good luck yeah. how badass is that and then he just beat the guy down to the ice <laughs> i just hate that there was all of these people that ru- that didn't like hockey and ruined that part of the game where they were like if they get the fighting out of it i would watch it if it was like olympic hockey i would watch it well now the fighting is out basically out of the game and they're still not watching it so <laughs> I don't know. They're like, it's just, why don't you just go try to like reenact prohibition or something? <laughs> just taking the fun out of everything. Like, I love how they got to get the fighting out of hockey, but they don't have to get it out of boxing. That's all they do in boxing. <laughs> but all of a sudden, that that's the sweet science. But God, God forbid, there's a fight once every other game. They have to somehow get involved. And there's adults watching it and adults doing it. What is the problem? Burr, I don't. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the documentary Tough Guys, but I couldn't recommend oh. it anymore. Especially if you love the rough and rowdy thing. These guys are basically from Pittsburgh, and kind of sort of started what the UFC ended up being, where it was just they had these flyers where it would be like a steel mill worker, and it'd just be a picture of him with his lunch pail, and then it would be like uh, a motorcycle guy where you just picture him on his Harley, and they'd fight. <laughs> At the Holiday Inn or, in, uh, in New yeah. Kensington. In New Kensington. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they used to have those, those tough man competitions. I remember those pre-UFC. But the great thing about the UFC was, I mean, I was never into, you know, never could who's kidding who stick with martial arts uh, but there was just like, uh, you know what it was? I could just never slip a punch. You could tell me what you were going to throw three days from now, and you would still hit me dead in the face with it. I just <laughs> never knew where to look. So I just, but I just remember, like, I'd been working in the warehouse or whatever, and, like, a guy would take a keto, another guy took, like, you know, 
not jujitsu, nobody knew jujitsu back then, uh, like, I don't know, Taekwondo, and they would just be arguing about whose style was better. And what I loved about the very first ones is you literally saw which style was the most effective. And that was, uh, and, and I remember when uh, that one where uh, one of those Gracies just, you know, when you have three fights in a night, and he was Boys wearing like Gracie. the bathrobe. The white bathrobe, like you have to, and he would come in. By like the third one, it was all like wrinkled up and stuff. And he would sit there and he'd get on his back and you'd be like, oh my God, this guy's going to lose. And then all of a sudden, the guy on top was about ready to throw a punch. And then he just starts going like, all right, all right, all right. He starts tapping out. I remember talking to Patrice, rest his soul. And he was like, going, what the F did that guy just do? What did he do? Like, because we didn't understand like arm bars or he'd bend back the guy's thumb. You couldn't see what the hell he was doing. It was amazing. So this is obviously a uh, this is a throwback to uh, what was started there in Pittsburgh, I guess. One uh, of the guy's tactics, Bill, in the uh, original Tough Man. One of his ta- this guy's like a, a steel worker, and, and he said, "Well, everybody was homophobic, so I let it slip, like as a you know, just a lie that I was gay." Because he thought that would make them not want to, like, get near him. Right. So he goes out That's there hilarious. as this, like, eight-foot-tall gay steel worker, and he thought that that made him more imposing. Oh, no. Oh, dude. And then they uh, and then they interviewed this, the guy who fought him. Bobby, goes, I knew he wasn't gay. Bobby Serena. He's a Vietnam vet, and he looks like Herman Munster still. And he, they're interviewing him, and he goes, uh, he's like, I didn't care if he was gay. I didn't care about nothing like that. Now, if he touched me, <laughs> I'd have kicked his ass. <laughs> like, for a second, he's like, I don't care if anybody's gay. You wink at me, you're going to get your ass kicked. Dude, I'm watching that the second I'm, I'm done with this. Oh, tour. It this is. is it. I got to watch that. I mean, they go. They have to go to bars. They're trying to get people to come out to see them at the, at the in this basically this hotel ballroom. And they're setting up uh, things and the guys are, are jagging them off and the bars are going, well, you know karate. He goes, uh, I know, I know kung fu grip. I know uh, monkey wrench. Yeah, the guys are like, I'll just hit you with a monkey wrench. I, I don't know care about Smith your, and Wesson. your martial arts. Yeah, I'll shoot you. <laughs> These guys. Uh, are tough whole... guy. I gotta watch. Uh, this is on Netflix. I'm assuming. Yeah, no, it was on else? Showtime. It, it's like a, a Showtime documentary. So if you, you got to get oh, Showtime tremendous. on demand. Hey, speaking of the uh, paid channels, you did that great episode of Crashing with Pete Holmes. And uh, I think did Greg oh, yeah. Fitz, did, written, written by Greg Fitzsimmons. I was just going to ask you that. Greg Fitzsimmons, yeah. Uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, who he's another uh, Boston comedy guy. And it's funny, I don't think of Pete Holmes as a Boston comic, but he is. Uh, no, he, he was. Uh, no, Pete Holmes, I actually I worked with him. That, that beginning part of his life, I think he might have still been married or just was going through the divorce the first time I met him. I, he was uh, Peoria, Illinois. Oh, wait, that's right. He grew up in Massachusetts, and then somehow through the married or being in that church thing, he ended up, that's right. He yeah. just never had the accent, so I never uh, I never pictured him as, as uh, a Boston guy. That's right. That's right. He was. That's why he could do the accent so well when we were doing the episode. But did you oh, guys? That you guys, episode was the best. Uh, you've always been, you know, have a great reputation with uh, like helping guys along uh, who who are coming after you. But did you and Pete specifically have that? I never helped Pete Holmes, nor would I ever. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> just in case he's listening. Uh, no, I uh, I don't know. I I had a good. I told him he was funny, even though he was bombing that first weekend. Bless you, sweetheart. 
Uh, just sneezed all over me. Um, I uh, yeah, he was bombing really badly, um, but we were also playing a place that was you know it was definitely it was not for somebody as green as him. Like he kind of had to like they and they sensed that he was green, right. and they kind of took out their less disappointments on him. And he was up there, sort of like uh, funny, smart, clever. None of that works in a bar, you know. So uh, he was having a rough go of it. But uh, I do remember we went to go see a movie. Like, oh, let's go see a movie, kill a day, right? So we went out and we saw the Ring, and we went in this horrible movie theater. And we were literally, we were literally the only two people in the theater. And uh, I hate horror movies because I totally buy in. Like, you know, people like, dude, the Blair Witch didn't scare me or Saw didn't scare me. It's like, yeah, it scared the hell out of me. I totally, I think the right. It's real to me. Late at night as I walk to my car, I'm still thinking that that witch is going to get me or something. So I don't like watching them, especially horror movies that have anything to do with kids. I can't, I can't deal with the anxiety of that. So, I started to watch that, that Baba Duke. You ever see that one? Oh, uh, the Baba Duke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, like, halfway through this. Like, I, I, I'm not going to watch this thing terrorize this kid and this single mom. You know what I mean? At least usually there's a dad there to get killed in the first ten minutes. You know, they, she didn't even have that. You know, the, the, How many bad mistakes did that woman make? She goes and gets herself knocked up by some bum who doesn't stick around, and then she moves into a haunted house. Like, Why don't you just give your kid meth in the next one? <laughs> Bill Burr with us. He's at the uh, Benham Center. Two shows. First one sold out. Second one on sale. TrustArts.org. The one thing I wanted to ask you about in crashing is most so much of it is at the Comedy Cellar, and that is like you know the legendary place. And you were such a big part of what that is known for. And that table there is like a sacred thing. And I know there was like at some point in time during the sort of like you know egalitarian effort from everybody. To, in the arts to be treated equal instead of, you know, I think it's like a meritocracy. You know, I think if you're good, then you get recognized. And that's what that place seemed to, to uh, emphasize more than anything else. Like if you were good, you're good and you'll be accepted. Yeah. I was kind of, I wasn't a, a, a big part. Of, I was in and out at that club. I'd be in and then I'd get into a fight with Manny. Me and Manny had a, I loved Manny. He, he passed away, but we, you know, we always remained friends, but we had a lot of, uh, you know, arguments with their, uh, you know, the way they used to book the place and stuff. They had this thing, I swear to God, you go, you, you call up, you know, you try to do a bunch, as many spots as you could um, around the city, right? And you'd just be like, you'd call them up and be like, okay, I have one spot tonight. I have a nine o'clock at the comic strip. And then they'd call back and be like, okay. Can you do the 9.30 at the cellar? And you'd be like, I'm not going to make it. i got to take a cab. They'd be like, you can make it. You can make it. So they would like, you know, they c*** your other spots. So I, I, like an idiot, called them out on it and had a big argument with them. So, like, I was in and out with that club. Like, so, uh, and I was also very introverted. So I would go to the table, and I was not dishing out the beatdowns. I would take the beatdowns. Oh, really? Different person. Oh, yeah. Much different person. Oh no, that was Patrice. See, I thought that was you, Patrice and Voss, and those guys were. Uh... Oh no, dude! I I was a uh, I was a piece of raw meat there. I didn't have the confidence. Keith like, Robinson. Confidence. Yeah, I had confidence on stage, and when I got off stage, it was literally like I turned back into Clark Kent, you know, <laughs> <laughs> into my alter ego, and I would just take. Yeah, there's a famous story of of me taking. I took literally a headline set. I took a 45 minute pounding. It was so bad, like, people who weren't even comedians were listening. 
Some were laughing. Some just felt bad for me. Like, <laughs> a few of them, like they'd be laughing so hard, and then I would just hear some random woman that I didn't even know just go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, but- yeah. So I just, I just want to make sure I set the record straight. I, I had, uh, you know, and a lot of it was because of me. You know, I was a very argumentative person. I was in and out at that club. And, um, you know, but I mean, I still I still love everybody down there. Manny, Rest His Soul, Esty, Noam, all of those people. But, like, I was definitely, uh, you know, I, I kind of learned what I learned in my marriage. You know, you don't need to fight every fight. Because mm-hmm. I remember Colin Quinn said to me, I go, after I had that fight about the way they booked the place, and I go, I looked at him, I said, Colin, am I wrong? And he just goes, he goes, listen, stupid. He goes, everybody knows they do that. They're just not dumb enough to bring it up. <laughs> and I never forgot that. I was like, all right, lesson learned. Lesson yeah. learned from the great Colin Quinn. Bill Burr, F, for, F is for Family Season 3 coming to Netflix soon. Congrats, man. That's right. And you know what's great now? We, still, we now have two Oscar-winning voiceover actors because Sam Rockwell and Allison Janney both won uh, Oscars this past week. That's unbelievable. Or couple, whatever the hell it was, a couple weeks yeah. ago. But, uh, and uh, yeah, so Vic, unfortunately, got fired from that radio station. I want to get him back so we can use the DVE-inspired radio station again for people in Pittsburgh that haven't watched it. If you watch the first season, that, like, I remember when I pulled up a picture, I said, I know exactly what the radio station should look like. And I pulled up, we pulled up a picture in the writer's room, and everybody saw it. They're like, ah, oh, that place is awesome. Because <laughs> when you look at the outside of that building, it's just like, how much blow was done in that building <laughs> the second you see it. So. Yeah, a lot. Uh, in the 80s, uh, this place, I mean, it. I, I'm sure payola was like, you know, just standard operating procedure. You know, record execs coming in. Hey, how are you? Here's the new record. And the big, you know, eight ball flies out of the record <laughs> sleeve. Whoops. Oops, yeah, exactly. Uh, Bill Burr's yeah, payola was probably peyote back then too. Yeah, <laughs> Burr's going to be at the uh, Benham Center once again, April sixth. Tickets on sale for the second show. First show sold out. Go to trustarts.org and get your tickets. And you're going to stop by the studio that morning. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to it, dude. And congrats you once again. Catch me before the big downfall. <laughs> <laughs> Psyched uh, for 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 you and your fatherhood, and uh, glad to hear things are, are so great at home, man. That's awesome news. Okay. Hey, I'm going to send you that. Uh, I'm going to send both you guys that, that, that video clip of Michael McDonald doing uh, Run to the Hills. Dude, have you ever seen Mac Sabbath? No. What is that? Mac Davis doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be funny. It's it's all the characters from McDonald Land, like Ronald McDonald, oh, Grimace, and they change all of the lyrics. And uh, they dress up like the like McDonaldland characters, and they change all the Black Sabbath lyrics to McDonald like you know, bit, like you oh, know. Send me that. Oh, send dude. me that one, and I'll send you. I'll send you the other one. All right, man. I'll be talking to you soon, Bill Burr. Thanks, man. All right, cool. See all you, right, Bill. See you. Dude. We'll see you.